Okay, we are back again, and I believe this is going to be part three. We had the introduction, part one, part two. Oh, goodness, part three. What is man reclaiming the original purpose of humanity on the earth? Uh, last time I talked about, um, I was standing out in my barn, in the upper room of my barn, looking at the old church, the hundred-year-old church next door. And just thinking through, in light of what I've been talking about, just thinking through just the history of the church as we know it, and just facing the the current condition of it, and just asking a lot of questions. But obviously, um, we're not talking about that specifically, but rather looking at just the principalities and powers, the, the present age that we're in. And uh, last time around, let's see, I want to review just a tiny bit. What age are we in? Who rules? Looked at Lucifer's origin a little bit. Asked some questions about uh, some different timings of things. If you didn't get to listen to it, you, these things aren't going to make sense unless you listen to the previous. So just stop now and start back in order. It's going to make a whole lot more sense, I hope. I'm not even halfway done. This is going to take a long time. I'm hoping my voice continues um, I'm trying to do most of this all in one day, and uh, so I've already talked for two and a half hours today on here, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm back out in the barn, or still in the barn, rather. Um, whatever the case, I want to pick right up and kind of use my time and yours wisely. I appreciate you giving of your time to even listen to anything I would have to say. I mean, that's just really humbling for me. Um, obviously, this takes time. This takes effort. And so it's a two-way street. I'm giving of my time on a beautiful Friday afternoon to be here because I believe this matters. My son can wait. My wife can wait. The projects I have to do here at the farm can wait. And you know what? You're saying that in the middle of whatever you're doing, this is important. This matters. Or at least you're giving ear to it for some reason. I mean, maybe you just think I'm ridiculous and you're intrigued i don't know i don't care whatever the reason is i'm just thankful you're giving of your time and your energies and your resources to um listen to anything i would say i mean i really mean that um seriously it's a big deal to give ourselves to listen to someone else i believe i don't listen to just anybody because well i I don't know i mean it has to have some sort of something to it for us to give our time to hopefully I don't know. Whatever the case, thanks for listening. We're going to pick it up here. We've been looking at different scriptures. We talked um, the last installment about how you, we, I, we, we were formerly alienated. We were shut out and estranged. We were hostile and engaged in evil deeds, but we've been reconciled. Um, the challenge to continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast. And we see Paul, to just get right back into it, a lot of the stuff in the epistles is just constantly pointing to the spiritual realities of their lives and keeping their eyes, of course, focused and just engaged on the eternal perspective. And in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. I talked about this at the introduction. The wrestling, the struggling, the schemes of the devil, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is so much more than just like, I just had some bad thoughts today. I shouldn't think like that. Oh my goodness. We've got to realize we have been deceived. We've been so deceived. Well, just don't think that way, brother. Oh, okay. That's right. Amen. I'll stop thinking like that. We don't even, man, we don't even hardly talk about these matters from a spiritual perspective as Paul instructed us clearly. So could we not honestly assess the church today and say with absolute assurance that she has been infatuated with only seeing one another according to the flesh? We pretty much just only see things this way. A podcast I recorded just a couple days back, um, as I was driving home, just really thinking about seeing according to the spiritual Having eyes to see the unseen, that's exactly what, what that came out of, was this reality. Because it's obviously undergirded by that. It's like we, just, we often just don't see according to the spiritual man. Therefore, we sure don't see one another rightly. We see one another only according to fleshly tendencies. I don't like you, so... I won't be around you, right? I mean, that's how we operate. Oh, I agree with you. I like you. Let's be friends. And we pretty much limit everything, even within the corporate body of Christ, in that way. Insert denominations, worship styles, teaching preferences, doctrinal approaches. It demands that we... Find a camaraderie, a place of, you don't rub me wrong, and we're just going to slide in and stay there. Let's just blend in. But I would say because of this infatuation of seeing according to our natural, that this is part of how the church has surrendered her authority. Because the true forces against her are operating entirely unnoticed. The true, dark, evil, spiritual forces that we are told are forces of wickedness in heavenly places that influence man, because we've been primarily ignorant of that reality in a daily practical sense, even if you've been through deliverance and spiritual warfare courses and you know, you did all these things. Are we really aware of the spiritual influence in our homes, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our thoughts that only we know? And so when reading the scriptures, wearing, if you will, this hat of thought, we see the call to come out and to see things as they are. James makes this very clear. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world 
is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose, saying he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us? But he gives us a greater grace. Therefore, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Friendship with the world. What is that? Are we sure we're not doing that? Are we sure that that really doesn't appropriately describe our life? Friendship with the world, I would say, is living according to its patterns, which are under the power of the evil one. This, James tells us, is hostility, which is enmity and hatred towards God. I find it interesting that the intent of James was to tell us that if you choose to be friends with the world, you are God's enemy. Which, if I can pronounce it right, is ektros. One in the pattern of Satan. The most bitter enemy of what? The divine government. Let me say that again. James says that friendship with the world is enemy and hatred towards God. You are an enemy of God, which was this ekthros, which says you are in the pattern of Satan, who is the most bitter enemy of the divine government. Order, dominion. This is why there's so much understanding for us to enter into in regards to what government we're giving ourselves to, to what we are subjecting ourselves to. Because if we can remember back where this started, in Genesis 1, God told Adam to what? I'm giving you a chance to think about it. Pop quiz. He was supposed to walk in dominion. He was supposed to put the earth into, under his subjection. And instead of executing the government of God on the earth, he surrendered it to Satan to institute his fallen perspective government. The enemy of God government was instated on the earth. So, God opposes the proud, was meant to state that he rages in battle against and resists the proud. So we say opposes, like in our own mental dictionary, we may say, well, if I'm in opposition to something, I'm just not really for it. I'm not really on that team. The scriptural understanding of that was very much stronger. Rages in battle against and resists the proud. So who are the proud? It's a word I'm going to attempt to uh, pronunciate right. Huparephanos. Which is showing oneself above others. Overtopping. Preeminent with an arrogant estimate of one's means or merits. 
despising others, or even treating them with contempt. Haughty. Does this sound familiar? Does this not summarize every single thing you see in this age that we live trying to get its way into? I want to read that again. God opposes the proud, which is he opposes, he rages in battle against and resists the ones who are showing oneself above others. He rages in battle against and resists ones who believe they are preeminent with an arrogant estimate of their own means and merits. And they despise others and treat them with contempt because they are haughty. Brothers, do you hear what this is saying? This is the government of the one who was cast down and handed dominion over the earth. This is why he was cast down, because he was the first one to do it. This is who he is. So we have to step back and examine what we've been shown in the scriptures. The original fall of man. The spilling of blood by Cain. The Tower of Babel. The constant government of the fallen one Satan ruling over men who would be friends with His ways of prideful rebellion. Doing what? Exalting themselves over all others, including God himself. And I'm just going to insert a little bit of a commentary here on how I see this play out in the church today in evangelical realms. When you stand up and you pound your fist on a table and you declare your rights I'm going to say to you, brother and sister, you had better be careful that that's not the pattern that you're walking in. Because I see this pride and arrogance in the church, and I see it displayed all over the place. Exalting ourselves against another. Over another. We think we're better. We think we're more deserving. We think you have to follow our rules just as we tell you you're going to follow them or you can get out. Why? This is our domain. This is my kingdom. You do not belong here. That is what is yelled from the rooftops of modern-day evangelical Christianity. You don't deserve what I have. And I'm telling you, brothers, we had better be careful. We better listen to the warnings of James calling us adulterers. Don't you know that friendship with the patterns of the world is hostility towards God? And yes, I added patterns of the world because that's what the world is. It is a pattern. It is a way. It is an executing of a government that is ruled and reigned by the devil. Praise the Lord, he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I got to be sure I'm not in any way somebody that God is opposing. There's no way I'm going to be found 
is one of these that God rages and battle against and resists. So we see this pattern throughout, throughout the ages. As I've already referenced in a previous part and just today, just now. The Tower of Babel, the government of Satan, the spilling by the blood of Abel by Cain's hand. Prideful rebellion, exalting themselves over others. And I might get into this later. I don't know. But we can't just simply start by actually doing James' instruction. Can't we just start there? He goes on to tell us, I think it's in 4-7. My references may be off in here. I think I started at 6 with the, or rather ended at verse 6. He poses the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. I believe it's right after that. Submit therefore to God. And do what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I was sharing with a brother here just the other day, like, we have to grasp the simplicity of that. We tend to make things so complicated. When temptation comes, when a thought comes, when something, whether it's doubt or fear or whatever it is, all these patterns of the old man reality, when these things come, can we not just sometimes at least, fall back to the basic biblical instructions that say, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Is that not pretty simple? I just don't know if we believe it's that simple. But may we give ourselves to the truth of the scripture and maybe the power therein the simplicity. And I just want to add this too. I can't, I can't leave this out. Me and a different brother were talking about this here the other night. It's just so profound. You know, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to talk bad about people in deliverance ministries. And like people who have given their lives to... to Man, staying up all night praying for people and, and bringing people to a point of being delivered from demons. And like, I believe that. I've been a part of that stuff. My life was just a disaster and I experienced that stuff firsthand and on behalf of others. I've been a part of those things and I'm not negating them in any way. And if you're somebody who's called to that ministry specifically, praise the Lord. Do that. People need delivered. My goodness. No question. So may I make that clear. But I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of crack the, the window open a little bit for us to just peek out onto this thought. And then we're just going to close it and move on. But let me ask this. Because again, this spurred from a conversation I had the other night. What is it in the known universe, okay? Like in all of the understanding, biblical, spiritual, 
I mean, we're not even going to go into the natural man's approach of self-help and like willing yourself to being better and all these things. But just even from a basic biblical approach to being free and being righteous, what is the best way, okay, the best way to walk in victory over the principalities and powers that seek, literally seek to kill and destroy us? Is it deliverance? Is it constant deliverance of the demonic influence, overthrow, flat out possession? Is that, is that the epitome and the goal? I would submit that a yielded and surrendered will in perfect obedience, a righteous man is the best way to walk in victory. A man who says, I'm going to humble myself before God and I'm going to resist the devil. And then like really do those things. I'm not saying you say that in a meeting and run out the door victorious. I'm saying like a mind that is renewed. Literally. We saw in Jesus the perfect, flawless personification of triumph over the enemy. How? By denying himself. By laying himself down all the way unto death. We must embrace that this is our greatest weapon. More than deliverance even. Do people need, did I need, do others need delivered so that they can become these things? Yes, I would say so. Absolutely necessary. And I'm not talking about the direct perfect timeline and order of how this plays out as if it's a formula for every man but I'm saying the overreaching reality is is the ultimate goal of victory in the believer's life not a life of holiness and righteousness and godliness and sanctification and faith upon faith upon faith We need to do this more than simply knowing the tactics of the enemy. More than passion. More than zeal to be found as a man after God's own heart. More than anything. Obedience and righteousness wins out. Submit to God. Resist the devil. The devil flees. Period. May we not overcomplicate this, friends. I'm going to read a few more scriptures and I'm probably going to close this one out. I've got pages and pages of scriptures. I'm going to have to try to decide which ones are the most applicable. Oh, good grief. There's four pages right there. <sighs> Ephesians 1, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe, 
These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Where is that? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all the things in the church. As we looked at that last part earlier, Paul said in Acts 26 verse 15, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Why? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So Jesus himself, when he met Paul, told him at the very outset, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Their eyes are closed. I'm sending you so that they may turn from darkness to light. They're in the darkness. They don't even know what they're doing. And they're also, by the way, from the dominion of Satan to God. They're dwelling in the dominion of Satan in darkness, in ignorance, with blinded eyes. But I want to move them from that condition and from that dominion to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin. That's very powerful because that is what we have given ourselves to in the gospel. That was the message that Paul preached to them and to us. And now we to others. In Hebrews 2.5, the writer reflects back on and even rewrites David's what is man question. And then he goes on to add some of his own thoughts, saying, For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now do now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And we have to go, we have to be careful to be sure to go to the verse. Um, I think it was verse one in, in Hebrews 2. Because it starts off saying, for this reason. So we've got to at least briefly look into what the reason is. Chapter 1, is, maybe it's chapter 1, I don't know. There's verse 1 of chapter 2, and I'm going back to chapter 1. Of what preceded the for this reason. Chapter 1 speaks of the preeminent position of Christ over all things. The author's train of thought repeatedly addresses his rulership over angels and concludes with even the purpose of the angels to, quote, render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. Colossians 3, verse 5, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead, 
to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now, okay, there's a distinction. You once were, but now put them all aside. Put what aside? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And I'm just going to say, we have got to ask ourselves, after analyzing our lives, what in me displays these things? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from my mouth. Because the only thing that comes out of my mouth originates where? From my heart, from my innermost place. Could we not say, in summary, stop living as one who has surrendered dominion unto the darkness and is living blind? He's saying you're no longer that way. I'm going to read a couple more verses and then I'm going to stop for this part here. Paul starts his letter to the Galatians with this. Grace to you, peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forevermore. Amen. Again, let's, let's read these verses, process these verses according to dominion, being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. What is it we're subject to? What is it we're supposed to be putting under subjection, under the headship and lordship of Christ? John seventeen fifteen. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world even as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I'm just going to keep going in this one in John 17. I'm going to try to maybe pinpoint and highlight some things. <sighs> Although the world has not known you, I've known you. And these who have known that you sent me, I've made your name known to them. All these, man, all these things, I could go on forever. But let me just insert this. Like, so many people, you know, really embrace um, the rapture theology, and I'm sure not going to unearth that one in this. I called it years ago, I, I branded it 10, 12 years ago, rapture-itis. Um, you know, whether you're, where you are with the doctrine of the rapture is really irrelevant. People get so hung up on that and like, man, people, people will burn down houses for stances on the rapture if you disagree with it. My gosh. But it's the issue with it then is rapturitis, which is the desire for relief, the desire to get out and escape and like, I'm not going to endure. I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to do anything that harms me. God, get me out. That's the real problem. That's the heart of it. If you believe that because you've studied it for 10 years and you believe it's doctrinally sound, that's awesome. That's fantastic. 
But the problem is most people believe it, in quotes, because it gets them out. It's a desire to be raptured, to be removed. And, and the only reason I bring that up, because otherwise you'd say, well, what in the world are you talking about that for? This, this isn't a rapture message, no. But when I read this in John 17, I just think about when Jesus said, I don't ask to take them out of the world, but instead to keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not. That's what he was saying. That's why we weren't raptured out when we're recreated, when we're regenerated and born again. We're not raptured away because there's a purpose for us here. There's a a reason you're here. If you are a follower of Jesus and have moved from death to life and have had these things that Paul just talked about personally in your life, a transference of a kingdom, that happened for a reason. And it wasn't just to make you better. As I keep saying, it wasn't just to make you a better person. It was for a greater eternal purpose that we remain. Can we not give ourselves to at least asking the question that we yet remain in order to rightly execute dominion on the earth on God's behalf again? Regenerated God-men restoring the original way and intent of the creation of man? To put the entire earth under his subjection, under the headship of God? I can't help but think about these things when I read these verses. And so I'm going to wrap that up there today. Covering more ground here. Anybody who's made it this far, good job. We're going to keep going. I think I'm maybe halfway done. Maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, let me look real quick. Nothing better than teasers. I used to do radio. There's nothing better than saying, hey, after the break, we're going to talk about something, 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 something that you just have to know, and you're going to listen to a whole bunch of rotten commercials just to get there. Oh... I don't have really any headings after this. There's a bunch of verses. So I'll expand on those next segment. Thanks for listening. We're going to continue. I don't know. We'll continue. I don't know how many more parts we'll end up being to this. What is man reclaiming the original purpose of humanity on the earth? Y'all have a good day. Be blessed. And I will talk to you soon.